The first reading is taken from the first letter of John, chapter 4, verses 7 to 12, and may be found on page 238 of the Church Bibles. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the Gospel reading. This is taken from John, chapter 17, verses 20 to 26, and may be found on page 108 of the Church Bibles. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one, as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, But I know you, and those that know you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Friends, a very good morning to all. We'll hold a few moments quietness, and I'll lead you in a prayer. Father, we thank you for the gift of your holy word. We pray now for the help of your Holy Spirit to both hear its teaching, to receive its truth, and to be given grace to live it out in our daily lives, all for your glory's sake. Amen. We have today in John chapter 17 a quite amazing prayer. As I'm sure many of you will have listened to the prayers of saints and Christian believers in prayer meetings, and most of the time we've been enriched by the unfettered soul within their life speaking to their loving Heavenly Father. And here we are on most precious holy ground, for we are listening in none other than to the prayer of Jesus Christ himself. 
Imagine him being in your prayer meeting. Imagine him being in your church and hearing what he was to pray. If that's not enough, this prayer in John 17 is the longest recorded prayer that we have Jesus articulating. We'll know some of the shorter ones, feeding of the 5,000, the lads loaf and fishes, Father, we thank you. Or the prayer in Gethsemane, Father, not what I want, but what you want. This longer prayer starts in exactly the same way. John 17, verse 2, Jesus had spoken these words. He looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. A quite amazing prayer. For all the contemporary understandings or misunderstandings about priesthood within the Roman Catholic Church and the Anglican Church, most people will get that this Jesus praying, this prayer, is the High Holy Priest just before his death on the cross, by which sinful human beings are ushered in in priestly, atoning, glorious ways into God's presence. Jesus, the High Priest, offers this prayer. An amazing prayer with some amazing words and descriptions in it. I want to draw your attention to a phrase which certainly is so striking. It's there in this prayer. It's probably best translated as the given ones. It's there in the chapter, chapter 17, verse 2. Father, those you have given me. It's there in verse 9. I'm asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those you have given me. It's there again in verse 11. Father, protect them so that those you have given me may be one. And then in the reading we have today, John 17, verse 24, Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me We are this morning described as the given ones. At a service of holy matrimony, who gives this woman to this man? I do. Glad to get rid of it. No, no, no. Good luck with that. No, no, no. Who gives this woman, who gives you to this saviour, this high priest? God the Father gives you in holy, holy love for now and all eternity to God the Son. The given ones. That's who we are in Christ now and for all eternity. According to Jesus' most holy prayer. Staggeringly, can you see in verse 20 that this prayer is for you. It's for you and I. I ask not only on behalf of those here, the disciples, who probably heard this prayer, but for those who will believe in me through their words. So this Jesus is praying for us today. And as we'll be reminded, these prayers are answered I'm going to be mentioning later on in the notices the beginning of a, of a 
knitting and crochet group uh, within the church. It does not matter how hard you pray for me, how sincere and how godly and holy you are, I promise you that those prayers will never be answered. I, I will never be able to knit or crochet. It's just not going to happen. But when you ask God the Son to pray, his prayers will be answered. And the given ones, you and I, will be given by the Father to God the Son. Notice how he prays. Jesus prays, first of all, for a realisation of oneness. That they might be one, just as you and I are one. I'm sure you know the one about the fellow on a desert island who was rescued by those he was uh, waiting for. Uh, they pitched up onto the land and they saw two churches and they said, well, what, why do you want two churches? I mean, you're here on your own. Isn't one good enough for you to say your prayers and sing your hymns and have your meditations? Well, no, you see, that's the one I don't go to. <laughs> I go to this one, but I don't go to that one. The dear Church of England is going to get its proverbial ecclesiastical underwear in a right old twist in the next few months and years, sadly. But from God's perspective, there is only one church. There's only one way of being ushered in to the most holy presence through the high priest Jesus who died and rose again. And those who believe and trust in him, he looks down and sees that we are one and prays that we will be one a realisation of actually what is there in heaven. Jesus prays for. Notice too there's a prayer for a realisation of glory. Frequently known in John's Gospel, this phrase glory is used right at the start of the Gospel. Jesus revealed his glory that they put their trust in him at the first miracle. Then even on the cross... The emphasis is not on the pain and the suffering and the travail, but it's on the glory that is revealed through what's going to happen, the other side of the cross. And here it's mentioned also in this high priestly prayer. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given them. Briefly, what does it mean for Jesus' prayer for us to be answered, that we might be aware of his glory. The glory of Christ comes, of course, through his cross. As we follow Christ in the way of his cross, what is it that you are holding, cross-like in your life? For as Jesus, so with those who follow him, it will testify in some miraculous way to God's glory through you. Difficulty, opposition, just hard, the cross for you. Jesus prays that whatever that experience is will somehow be glorious for you and to others around. What too does the glory mean for Jesus? 
It means to follow the Father's will in perfect obedience. Not my will, but yours be done. So as we not just pray in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as we do God's will day by day, something about God's glory will be revealed and shown through us. And so Jesus, whilst he had his opponents, whilst those who couldn't take, in a sense, God's glory through him, wanted to do away with him, there was something glorious about Jesus and his relationship with God the Father, that when people saw him, they saw God the Father. What a great high priest, our Lord Jesus Christ. So when Jesus prays for us, he will pray that our cross will reveal God's glory, he will pray that our obedience reveals God's glory, and he will also pray that our relationship with God will reveal God's glory. So Jesus' high priestly prayer, what a great description for each of us that we are the given ones, given from God the Father to God the Son, who gives this person to this Saviour. God the Father says, I do, I give you to Jesus forever and ever. And as you walk in the way of the cross, follow a life of obedience, reflecting the Father's glory, so you will become more and more aware in your unity of the glory that Christ is praying for. And then he too prays for, and we'll conclude with this, that love might be understood, might be appreciated, might be lived from. I was referring recently in a public meeting concerning all that the Church of England has been reflecting on recently about the importance, in my view, of C.S. Lewis's timeless reflection on the Scriptures, the four loves. Agape, eros, friendship, and brotherly or sisterly affection. These four loves are there enshrined in the New Testament. They're all Greek words. But here, if you will, in Jesus' high priestly prayer, he mentions love in no less than six ways. You have the Father's love for us. You have our love for the Father. You have the Son's love for us. You have our love for the Son. You have the Son's love for the Father. And you have, almost in climactic ways, the Father's love for the Son. The strongest force in the world is not the nuclear atom, is not the earth that shakes, It's the eternal Father's love for the great eternal High Priest's Son. And Jesus prays that we might be aware of that. And not just aware of it, might be held and contained within it. Notice how he concludes his prayer. Even as it were, before he says his Amen. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me, the Father's love for the Son, may be in them, 
and I in them. One of the great pleasures of having an elderly mother and relatively young adult children, well, there are many, many great pleasures, but there are also a few degree of difficulties to explain the generational age gaps. And very occasionally, my mum will give them money for Christmas or holidays or their birthdays. The trouble, and I only realised this later, because I'm not too familiar with all the ways of young people today, but when she writes them a cheque of a significantly modest amount of money, they've no idea what it is. <laughs> and so I'm on the... Has he not banked the cheque yet? Has he not put... Because she's... Have you... What's a cheque? Well, it's a sheet of paper. It's got... It's, what's that? What do I do with that? You bank it, sunshine. Otherwise, I'm going to get it from... Anyway. Sometimes Christian people are like that. It's sitting there in the Bible, in the church, in the soul, and we've never banked it. We've never drawn down on it that we are eternally safe within the love of God, not for our love for him, but for God, the Father's love for Jesus. O oh, love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee, we will hear shortly. I give thee back the life I owe, that in life's ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. Unlike your prayers for the vicar who's never going to learn crochet or knitting, ever. Doesn't matter how long eternity is, it's just not going to happen. When Jesus prays for you that glory will be shown, that you'll be aware of how much you're loved, his prayers are answered. The cheque is cashed. The pen is dropped. You're loved, not because of you, but because of him. And you rest your weary soul in thee. I have made your name known to them and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Amen.